0: It's, it's not just climate, it's this kind of multi-pronged thing that's affecting poverty and, and the amount of water that we have, the amount of resources. shouldn't just be, oh, I, I love the environment, I love to experience it, but it's something that's really integral in, in our lives. But that's not just in terms of society, but even in terms of our faith. You are listening to The Trinity House Presents, God, Creation, and Humanity. Jonathan Faria has created a beautiful discussion with us about our past and future of our relationship with God's beautiful creation. Many people were invited and many came to enjoy some delicious dinner as well as a discussion with Jonathan and his topic that he brought to the table. Hope you enjoy! Enjoy! Cool. So I think we can start. Um, It did say 6.30, but I just wanted to wait a bit because I know last Trinity Talks have kind of waited a little after Adoration. Um, But yeah, thank you all for coming. I'm really excited to be able to talk about something that's kind of really important to me and maybe being able to open some eyes. Um, Just really thinking about how we understand our faith in a new lens. Um, And so... My title of the talk is God, Creation, and Humanity. Um, And you can tell I'm really honing in on this idea of relating creation and humanity itself um, within this purview of our faith. Um, And I really just want to go straight into it and focus on one really important thing that I want to hone in this slideshow, which is why you should become vegan. So, obviously, this talk isn't going to be that. Um, I'm not going to say let's all become tree huggers and kind of this off the topic, off the chart type of thing. Rather, I want to kind of challenge some old ideas, um, whether it's in the Bible or old dichotomies that we have in terms of our understanding of the environment. Um, So, I'll begin by kind of showing my perspective, kind of explaining why. I personally am so interested and and kind of focused on this idea of creation and humanity. Why does it matter today? And then challenging those old perspectives with the dichotomy as well as humanity and creation in the creation story. Um, Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And then what now? Um, So what can we do with this information now? So for those who don't know, I'm from the Central Valley. It's that place that smells like cow manure when you're passing through to come to slow. So um, although some may think it as a kind of limbo between your home and San Luis Obispo, I really see it as a beautiful place where I was able to grow up um, with, I mean, when there's not a drought with lush green fields and really beautiful mountains in the horizon. But also, as Gant was asking me earlier, um, I had my background, which was the Azores, And my parents, I was able to visit where my parents came from, which is the Azores, basically nine islands in the middle of the Atlantic. It's kind of the equivalent of maybe a European Hawaii, just different oceans. Um, And it's really just this beautiful place, nine specks of green and kind of the expanse of the Atlantic Ocean. And as a child that really had a weight on me kind of in terms of my love for the environment and the natural kind of landscapes that surrounded me um and there's my grandma's house um and now i want to talk about the 10 best destinations in the Mm -hmm. azores yeah i know (laughs) um but this image is it kind of hits home to me because we would kind of swing over there all the time but Whenever we left, we, we always had a lot of family there. Whenever we left, it, it was always a hard time. But I remember um, coming here the last day to be able to just listen to the waves and, and kind of see the nature around us and just kind of finding calm in that. Um, and, and this is kind of where I've, I've come to in terms of my faith, being able to praise God through that understanding and, and through this beauty of the environment. Um, and so I want to go back a step because as a child, of course, yes, these I, I have this love for the environment, but things are also changing. And sadly, we have images like this where there's fires and, and increasingly kind of stark um, things happening with climate change and such. Um, and so we get to this question of why does this matter, not just kind of to how I grew up um, uh, sometimes visiting the Azores or being in the Central Valley, but why should this matter to us all? Um, and matters of the climate, really, it's, it's not just climate, it's this kind of multi-pronged um, thing that's affecting poverty and, and the amount of water that we have, the amount of resources that affects those in, in third-world countries who are, don't have equality, just as we do here in first-world countries. Um, and so we need to realize that this is really, um, it, it, it takes a play in terms of uh, grander society. And I want to ask, do any of you know of what happened last year with COP26? Does that maybe ring a bell? Maybe raise a hand if you know of it. One, two. Okay. So it's kind of sad, but um, basically this was one of the last climate accords that we had in September um, trying to reduce fossil fuels, trying to keep us below that 1.5 degrees Celsius increase in temperatures. Um, So these things are are pressing matters that shouldn't just be, oh, I I love the environment, I love to experience it, but it's something that's really integral in in our lives. Um, But that's not just in terms of society, but even in terms of our faith. Um, So in tandem with the Paris Climate Accords, which were prior to COP26, um, Pope Francis wrote the Laudato Si, which is basically focusing on highlighting the environment in our faith, and he wrote this, I urgently appeal then for new dialogue about how we are shaping the future of our planet, a conversation which includes everyone since the environmental challenge we are undergoing and its human roots concern and affect us all. And so I, really, I think he really hits this central idea where we need to all make a difference, no matter what our background, background may be, but be able to realize the importance of the environment, um, especially in our faith. Um, And that wasn't just Pope Francis, Um, it was also Pope's before him, Benedict, and um, a few before him had written um, some similar documents on the environment. And so with this understanding of kind of my perspective and then what's going on now and why it should matter, I wanna go back to kind of the old. And so in the past we've had um, this dichotomy where we separate nature from humanity. Um, and so I I show these images we have this idea of society and civilization and then nature is kind of this thing that's over here it's not so much um, where we are and I think we need to challenge this and think about how we can integrate that into our faith and understand this beautiful kind of three-pronged relationship between God creation and humanity and so I've kind of I ran across this idea of the tripartite relationship. And so tripartite is basically something in three parts. um, And I can't help but plug something architecture. So in this facade of this church, it's cut into three. And that is a tripartite facade. So just basically tripartite is something in three. Um, Again, I I couldn't help but plug that. Um, So in this case, we're talking about relationships between God, creation. And humanity and maybe not the best image but you can see the people there in the background Um, and so I really fell on this idea when I saw a lecture where there's basically this understanding and it's not just kind of Catholic but um, spanning across the different religions that look at the Old Testament um, whether it's Jewish or Muslim um, and they were they have this kind of beautiful understanding of these three entities uh, especially with the creation story and what's really beautiful there is if you look at that first transgression with adam and eve you can see where um god is basically looking for them after they've had the fruit and and so once both adam and eve take of the fruit they've had this kind of transgression there's a break between god and humanity and then um, he asks Adam what had happened and he blames Eve and so there's this break between humanity and itself and then of course they're exiled from Eden which is supposed to be the perfect creation and so a break between creation and humanity and at its basis, I'm, I'm not that could be a whole entire talk in itself, but at its basis what I'm focusing on is this beautiful relationship that we can begin to understand by kind of bringing creation into our understanding of our faith with God. Um, and so if you guys remember the last talk, that's Johnny kind of slumped over, um, he shared this image, (laughs) um, and basically he was talking about family in the modern world. And he was focused on the context within the context of tripartite relationships on mending humanity and humanity. And in my case, and there's the two images just to kind of bring some context into that. In my case, I really want to hone in on creation and humanity and and mending what was broken there. Um, And so from that, we're challenging this old dichotomy, not so much nature and um, humanity or or nature's all the way over there, but rather coming back to this idea of all three. Um, And so I really want to delve specifically into that creation story. Um, And we should all pretty, pretty much know the general gist of it in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. I don't think I need to read all of that, but um, it goes on and for a total of seven days. Um, but for those who don't know, there's actually two times that it's, this account is written. And there's this um, commonly held hypothesis that there's basically a few different groups of writers who wrote the Bible. Um, and those include both in this case, the priestly and the Yahwist writer um, and the Priestly is more well known for that context, whereas the beginning of creation is on the first day, on the second day, on the third day. The Yahweh is kind of a smaller text after that that doesn't so much go through each day. Um, but I explained this because both of these have different words and specific words that they apply in terms of our understanding of the of the environment. And so let's go straight into that. So. For the priestly, I'm, I'm really going to focus on a few verses, but for the priestly we have, "Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so we have this this stark word that can seem negative in connotation, that can seem abusive. And which has actually been thrown around in the past in terms of saying that the church has been one that kind of um, oppresses the earth and and takes advantage of it. And the quotations go on and and say, uh, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion yet again. Um, The Yahweh is is a little more on our end, I would say, in saying um, the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it, to really... Um, kind of more of a respectful term to it Um, and if we look further into these words and and we translate them straight to Hebrew um, we can see that dominion really is kind of associated in other areas of the text in Leviticus and Isaiah it's often associated with exploitation and abuse Um, and subdue the same can be said with this idea of conquering foreign lands and then of course the Yahwist is a little more easier in terms of the terms to be able to understand the serving and, and even preserving of nature. Um, but if we look back at the priestly and we actually take everything into context, we can see, let us make humankind in our image. And so this dominion shouldn't so much be an oppression, but more so something just as the father is a father to us, we can father and, and have a loving responsibility over nature. And so the same can be said for subdue, seeing it in God's image and being able to respect and steward the earth, rather than kind of oppress and, and take full advantage. And so again, there in that same writing, um, dominion becomes not something of destruction, but care, order, and creation. And this idea of care, Pope Francis actually focuses on that as being one of seven kind of critical things to follow in our faith and and being able to care not only for each other but care for the environment. Um, And again, like I said, the Yahweh doesn't need as much as um, an argument to it, Um, again, avad and till and keeping kind of more aligned with that idea of preserving and having stewardship. But in terms of that, I do want to go a step further and, and realize this beautiful relationship with the dust of the ground, whereas man came from the dust and so we have Again, going back kind of to the tripartite relationship, realizing these beautiful commonalities, and even just the syntax and the words um, Adam coming from Earth, or Adam, Adama. Um, And so what now? What can we do with this information? Um, Let's just replace the idea of dominion, of being oppression, but, but rather becoming this care, order, and stewardship. I really don't think there's anything I'm saying here that's really quite innovative. I, I think it's just a matter of having a new um, context, a new understanding of these things. Um, and I really think this image, which you guys might have seen in, in um, advertising this talk, it it really helps to show this old dichotomy, whereas kind of nature is far out and we're very separated from it. Um, and I just want to ask that we challenge this, that that we make it so that we are more so one with nature, but also being able to praise God, in doing so. Um, and I pull up this image. This is from the uh, from Francis and his tomb in Fatima, which he was one of the three shepherds at the Marian apparition. Um, and I think it's a beautiful image showing him as a shepherd, kind of being one with nature and, and having that appreciation and. We don't just find it in him, but if we read about Moses, we see him as this image of the shepherd and Jesus more so as the shepherd of men. But um, there's something beautiful to that understanding, to that relationship between the two, between humanity and creation and God. Um, But of course, I'm not saying that we're all gonna become shepherds. I'm not saying we need to become vegan or go and hug trees. Rather, maybe (laughs) we can do something Um, small things so personally I have a friend at Fresno State who's interning right now and he's studying with people who are basically making feed that reduces the amount of methane emissions that are coming out Um, so that's just a beautiful way that he's able to make a difference Um, I'm designing something in my project right now where I'm looking at nature um, in tandem with other people who Not just for aesthetics, but making something that's efficient for the environment. Um, This image I took when I was in Lisbon and it's this beautiful um, painting. This artist basically takes trash and he's able to make these sculptures and paintings where he brings up the important species that were in that area. And he's able to really bring them to the forefront um, and kind of advocate for them. Uh, But then again, we can just take a look around. I think we tend to forget that California, like we're blessed to be here, California is one of the most biodiverse regions in the world, especially in terms of fauna. Um, And just being able to see those things and open your eyes to it and and praise God in doing so, I I think it's just such a beautiful thing. Um, And so maybe part of that is being able to join a conversation. I know um, there's a Slack channel, Care for Creation, where maybe you guys can join after tonight and be able to be a part of more of these things that's focusing on this idea of integrating the environment in our faith um, and even joining eco reps who are on campus but just being able to do something even if it's just being able to see the beauty that's around us because it's really easy to get lost in kind of the anxiety, the constant rush of life, whether it's midterms, I know we just got, hopefully most of us got past midterms already. Um, But just taking that second to realize the beauty that's around us and being able to praise God. Um, And so again, this image, let's be able to challenge this and make a difference. And, And I think Pope Francis really put it best when he says, Let us make a difference each to our own, in our own ability. And so whether that's my major in architecture or whatever your majors are, I I just ask that we might all do that and challenge that old dominion and rather have care for creation. Thank you. Cool. So I don't know if there's any pizza left, but... um, is there another?
1: Um, I think
0: there's a lot of pizza left. Okay, cool. So you guys can enjoy this last pizza, but yeah, there's um, a few of these quotations if you guys ever want one. Um, there is a podcast called How to Save a Planet that talks about COP26, if you guys want to look into it. Um, they also have, they talk about a lot of things in terms of the environment. Um, read the La Dalto Sea, it's really beautiful. Um, yeah. If you guys ever have Are any you questions. Taking questions, I will take questions.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, so I really like when you're talking about the dominion thing because I think it's important for like a lot of our modern ears. We hear stuff like dominion, we think of power dynamics, and I think this is something that is honestly like a, a horrible consequence of Marxism trying to come and like create um, an issue with power over things. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about like God, he clearly has a lot more power over us, and so when it's talking about dominion over Earth. That's responsibility towards the things that we have dominion over. We have to care for those things. Yeah. We can't reap what we use, everything the, the fruits of the earth and abuse it. Um, but I think too, like in what you're talking about, I'm interested in your perspective as like an architect. I hear a lot of like people talking about more sustainable architecture because I think that's one of the things where um, we kind of have, especially in the last century, like um, we used to think a lot more about this. Like, humanity is order, and order is the built environment. How do we separate ourselves from that in the future with with architecture, I guess? How do we make architecture that kind of invites us more into union with creation?
0: So, it's interesting because actually right now, my professor is really having us look into, like, biophilia. Which, at certain points, if you do it wrong, it, it can become just a thing of aesthetics, which is really horrible if that's the case. But she's really having us investigate the like the systems that are happening in nature and this interconnected because obviously if you think about nature and and um, the surrounding environments there's so many scales to it that you can really dive into and so being able to take advantage of kind of what nature has already learned over thousands of years and being able to apply that to the built environment Um, i think sometimes part of that is also just being able to kind of bring through the building, this is, I'm going to focus on architecture because that's kind of how you phrase the question. But be, being able to bring people to that mindset of seeing their surroundings and opening their eyes to it. So, so yeah. more glass? Yeah. <laughs> what is biophilia? Biophilia is basically a love for life. So, in the case of architecture, it's kind of a coin term for like if something looks like nature. But it should really be kind of following the example of like those systems that are happening. But biophilia yeah. is love for life. Lake Gaudi's
1: um, Sagrada. Yeah, a lot of like trees in it. Yeah, trees exactly. Things. And
0: he actually used the structure efficiently in a way. So I love how this is turning
1: into architecture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you have like an example of some like architecture? Like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> like, like you're, you're saying like. You know, you're know, trying to apply this
0: biophilia to architecture like is there, so like? Um, originally in my project I was looking at kelp um, and you can like think about the blades and they're like corrugated in a certain way that's similar to corrugated steel Also they they obviously like they're focused on photosynthesis so being able to employ um, what's it called photovoltaics or basically solar panels um, in the building and that doesn't necessarily have to be like, the average because now they're making like tiling that's photovoltaics too. So, but yeah. <laughs> is there like a specific, you know, architecture around here that, you know, we might know of that's like an example of either anti, what is it, biophilia? Biofilia. would be good, okay. biophilia. Good, good or like bad for like the environment, like the architecture? The business building uh-huh. um, <laughs> like is very poor. Yeah, so that one's very like low efficiency, like it takes up a lot of energy. Um, right. what's a good building? The yeah, the wreck is probably one of the better buildings <laughs> just cause it's newer. He's in architecture too so he would, he's helping me out. Um, he's actually my partner in the project we're designing right now. So what makes the old bad? Is it cause it's great? So they had, <laughs> they had a lot of glazing toward the, the western end which means that that huge hall that kind of looks out over the the lawn. It gets overheated, and it takes a lot of energy to be able to cool it down. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Oh yeah. Also, like this building, if you look at it, it it kind of begins to use sustainable kind of resources. But like I said, tonight is a beautiful night to be able to see the extension of the. The lights in the mirror. So if you guys want to go check that out, then that's cool. Wait, you mentioned that. So like, is it? Mm-hmm. it purposely make it look like the lights keep going, or is it just? Like I think I, right? I. don't know if it just happened, but it's cool. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned that in, in the at Mr. Newman when I gave the presentation on architecture that if you look up and out through the windows, the lights are basically reflected to look like yeah. kind of the stars Was of the Was that light. purposeful? I'm not sure. Because it I looks like, like it should be little, purposeful yeah. because, and if it wasn't, then the architect obviously said it was, because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. I think that's it. Um, there is another pizza, but yeah, I'm glad you guys came. Thank you, Jonathan.